Hello Laker fans, I hope you're all having a great weekend. This is a little bit of a different episode, it is a uh, special episode as I'm sure you've seen by the title or the tweet before you uh, clicked on this. Um, it's a conversation that I had with a member of the South Bay Lakers staff a few weeks back but I have just come around to editing it and releasing it now. It's taken a little bit longer than I wanted it to. It was recorded about two weeks ago. So it's with Misha Cavalier of the South Bay Lakers, who are the Lakers G League affiliate team. And he's the strength and conditioning coach there. And he's also the equipment manager. I got to know him when I went over to the Lakers practice facility in El Segundo. And that's how the connection was made. And he's happily jumped onto the podcast. So I won't take up much more of your time. I'll let it jump straight in to the pod and it'll just be a bit of a normal intro and then we'll, we'll get into the conversation. It is quite lengthy, but it is a very good conversation. So I hope you enjoy, guys. Hello, Laker fans. Welcome to another episode of the Late Late Show podcast. I'm your host, Matt, from Lakers Fan Club UK, covering your Los Angeles Lakers from the United Kingdom. I'm joined by a special guest for this episode. He's the strength and conditioning coach for the South Bay Lakers, who are the Lakers G League affiliate franchise. Uh, he's British as well. Uh, his name is uh, Misha Cavier. How are you, Misha? Thanks for jumping on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you for having me. Um, I was very excited to meet you that day you uh, showed up at a facility because I, I was like, oh great, this is this is this is a wonderful way for me to uh, connect back with uh, England, and um, you know, it's it's great to be on your podcast. Yeah, it, it was great to see you when we visited the practice facility. I was going to mention that briefly for the listeners. So, me and Misha have met before. This isn't the first time that we have spoke. We did meet when I visited the Lakers practice facility in El Segundo back in September, and we had a long chat and. Um, you know, we spoke to a few members of, of the South Bay Lakers and we just hung out really. It was really cool to take that in. So, yeah, we appreciate everything that you've, uh, you have you did for me and Tina. And uh, we're actually coming back over there in February and we look to go to a South Bay Lakers game as well. Yeah, please do. Please do. Very, um, very exciting G League atmosphere. Um, definitely more small time with the crowds and such, but... I mean, they're fast-paced, high-scoring games. Uh, you get to see these sort of uh, standout college players that might not be quite so NBA level um, to former NBA star sons. We have a couple on our team, um, uh, as well as NBA rookies that are just getting a lot more playing time. So you should definitely come check us out. And the same to any fan. Uh, you should always check out a G League game, either on Facebook or uh, come... <laughs> you're ever in the states they're, they're great fun great atmosphere yeah definitely and we'll be for sure making our, our way down there but in terms of um what we're going to get into with the podcast we'll start from the beginning if that's okay so you were born and brought up in the united kingdom is that correct and then you moved over to the united states for college and have you always been into basketball that's kind of three questions in one but it's kind of your upbringing absolutely so well the only thing i wasn't i wasn't born in london my parents they they work con uh they do teaching in japan so at the time they were living in japan uh my sister was born and then i was born my sister was about to start school and that's when my parents didn't want us to be raised in a Japanese education system. So it was a decision like, okay, we'll move back to London, which is uh, where my dad was from. So that's where basically born in Tokyo, Japan, but raised in London throughout 18 years. And yes, never really, um, I had fun playing football, but I never really just loved it or wanted to go out and play. The, the, when, I, when I discovered basketball, somehow it just really captivated my mind and, and, and it, just, it just drew me. The NBA game drew me a lot too, actually. It was, the NBA game was heavily influential, just wanting to be a part of that, uh, wanting to be in the NBA as a player initially. So yeah. Tried my very best to make it out to the U.S. for uh, junior college. I was never recruited or anything. Um, uh, I was lucky to have a few family friends, not even family members, but family friends in California. So I went 
to their areas to check out local junior colleges and speak to the coaches and you'd get sort of brushed off by many but some would actually give you a few honest answers and you feel like you had a shot um, for me that was Santa Monica College in Los Angeles although it was probably one of the harder places for me to go because you're in the LA junior college scene which is just uh, an absolute you know you're of the most athletic some of the best of the best uh, all trying to make it um but nonetheless i went i tried my best uh, at age 18 uh, lived been been living in la ever since um and and yeah just been a pretty much ride or die basketball very un-english of me uh, i know but and i and these days i'm actually american so i'm, I'm a complete traitor <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a. It's in terms of um, basketball captivating you when you were younger. It's the same with with me, really, and a lot of other people. I I have seen in the past few years that basketball is really starting to draw people in, and people are really impressed with the speed of the game and how dynamic the game can be. And to be honest with you, in the past few years, I've actually leaned more towards basketball than I have like football slash soccer traditionally. What people follow in the UK, so. Yeah. However, interestingly enough, these days, as I'm getting really into um, like the sports science, biomechanics, footwork, all that, now I'm actually really appreciating football. Now I actually think it's the best thing basketball players could be doing for their footwork. Um, I actually, even at this elite level, basketball players are terrible with their feet. They're very clumsy. Um, Somehow they're good at dancing, you know. <laughs> you know, you put on a good hip hop song, they're really good at dancing. But when you, when you, when mm-hmm. if, even if it's some some agility stuff that I implement, sometimes they really they they look lost. Um, and and yeah, basketball moves they can get, but then always there's always that player that struggles with you know the the, the footwork drill or whatever. So it's like I actually think. Uh, Soccer is one of the, oh, football. Uh, football is one of the better things you could be doing. And then you go look at people like Steve Nash um, and, and or any any European player um, that was good in the NBA. They had f- football skills. Manu Ginobili, obviously South American, and actually Kobe Bryant learned to do a few, uh, you know, football kick up skills here and there. He could play a bit. Uh, and that's because he wanted to appreciate the game. So not to talk about football, but I just I just feel like these days it's changed because now I, I, I think it's it would have helped. But at the time, I was just wanting something different. You know, the grass is greener on the other side, as they say. Um, and I was captivated by this game um, that um, it was, you know, there's still a buzz about it in England. Um, and, and, and this is why when I, I really wanted to talk on your podcast, because I always feel like basketball has a buzz in England, but it's just not. It's just not there. It doesn't have the rich traditions. It doesn't have the the knowledge and wealth behind it. And of course, financially is always an issue, but we'll, we'll, that will always be an issue anyway. So, um, you know, I just feel like England has has had this potential, but you know, it's just not getting fulfilled. Um, but slowly but surely, um, and uh, I think the NBA game now that we're having, you know, we're having some preseason games uh, over in England. You know, I think it's it's just developing um, slowly but surely. You're seeing a few a few more English players, you know, b- you know bask some time in the NBA, not very long, but, you know, it's all about just, just, just keeping it going. And, um, as you know, it's a process, it's a long process. Definitely. And it was interesting early on, um, you were speaking about like the mechanics of the game and footwork and things like that. And obviously that's very much your forte now within the role that you have at South Bay. So I was going to lead on to, we got to college where you, um, very much got into playing basketball and you gave it your best shot so the question that I have to you is that that period from college to being with the South Bay Lakers so what what path occurred to get you into sports science and strength and conditioning and you know what what path occurred to take you to your current role with the South Bay Lakers and how long have you been with the franchise for now okay yeah so now uh with the I'm I just uh 
just answering by my time was spent with the organization and then I'll go to the very beginning. Um, I'm going into my fourth season with South Bay, but overall ninth season with the Lakers. Um, and here's how the journey went down. Uh, so yeah, junior college basketball was very tough. Uh, I didn't really play much. I managed to play just one year. Um, and then I sort of sat out a year here and there just because a coach told me I wouldn't be playing much and I was too prideful. Uh, and so I would like do this court, they called the red shirt year. And, and, uh, it just really became silly. I, I actually even sort of, sort of think back and sometimes think I should have just you know, you should have just done it. Just sit on the bench. You never know who gets injured, and the next thing you know, you'll be playing. Um, you should never listen to a coach when they say they're not going to play you because the season is so long and 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 things just change. But anyway, I I sort of just never really sort of played much. I played, I mean, played that one year, dabbled around with a couple of teams, redshirting, and after that, I decided, all right, I'm going to get into the field of coaching because I always I always wanted to be a basketball career person even if I wasn't going to make it professionally and that's why I wanted to go to America so I started to you know intern they call you know internships free work <laughs> free labor in America um, was the junior college team and then I went to complete my four-year degree uh, division one team I got to be their video coordinator uh, that involves arranging scouting film and breaking down uh, film for play categories for coaches to watch to see how well we executed on plays. So that was a really good experience, a small-time Division One. Um, you know, I would have wanted to be a part of a big-time Division One, like a UCLA, USC, but I, I didn't get into those schools. It was I went to smaller-time one, but I got a better experience out of it. Um, meanwhile, doing a sports science. Uh, you know, degree, uh, basic exercise science, nothing too fancy. Um, mean, uh, I'm thinking I was going into coaching this whole time. And it wasn't until my final year that I decided to then also intern with the strength and conditioning department because I figured I should probably know about how to train athletes if I'm going to be a coach. And I never know what level I could end up and I might be also in charge of conditioning. So I should know that. And through that time spent in the conditioning, strength and conditioning department, I sort of fell in love with the, that part. Um, I was always into lifting weights myself. I was always one of the most well-conditioned players on the team in junior college. Um, so that sort of went hand in hand. And then the degree I had, now I was applying these things I was learning. Plus, I was into the sport of basketball. So it really just sort of just captivated my mind. Um, I graduated. I was done with the team working for free <laughs> and all that. And uh, the first job offer I got was actually being a personal trainer at a you know gym uh, local to me. Um, it was a fancy gym, Equinox. I know they probably opened uh, in London or they will soon. So it was a nice sort of fancy place to be a part of. They were really good at education. So I got some, you know, in-house training there and I sort of started to learn the importance of injuries then, uh, more so than at college. Um, so then, you know, you really start understanding how important it is, is to whether it's an athlete or an average human to treat the injury before you aim for performance because it more often not that it's injury that holds back the performance so that's sort of when my love for injuries and biomechanics developed um, my time at Equinox was short-lived because they are very um, hardcore on sales and I was not a salesman so I didn't last very long there and very fortunately after I got let go from there a friend calls me up um, from Santa Monica College actually he was working with the team there uh, and he was working for the Lakers at the time and asked me do you want to be a ball boy for the defenders at the time it was the LA defenders um, and the Lakers were in the lockout year. This was 2011 going into 12. There was the lockout strike year, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so there was. Uh, so 
I, I was like, okay, of course, absolutely. I was unemployed. I was def- I'll definitely be a ball boy for the for the defenders. And it was into the second game of the season, and I was in charge of rebounding pregame. Uh, and because I used to play and I had a lot of pride, I was rebounding and you know just absolutely hustling and and doing my best and being really quick on my feet. And that's when the Lakers equipment manager, who was back it back on work recently uh, lockout ended and needed some extra help saw me uh you know working my hardest and then said hey i would like to bring you on as a ball boy for the lakers so that little sort of thing was like i i i almost got immediately hired by both teams um even though they're the same company, uh, but it was sort of harder to get on with the Lakers at the time. It was really hard. So it was, I was very much fortunate to be at the right place, right time. And so thus began my entry with the organization first as a ball boy, and I soon got, got promoted to being an assistant equipment manager, semi full time or seasonal full time. Uh, not traveling, but basically staying at the facility and working all the home games and dealing with all the gear and preparing um, all the laundry and gear for the road, the different uniforms and providing all the different accessories where players need it and all this sort of stuff. And and that's actually what I still do for the South Bay on a lesser scale because we don't provide as many luxurious things. But it was sort of my expertise and entry into the South Bay job because they needed an equipment manager. so before I even get into that, I'm, I'm doing this, uh, you know, work for the Lakers uh, as a assistant equipment manager, you know, very, very fortunate to work alongside Kobe Bryant, his uh, former uh, five seasons um, um few, few occasions got to even, you know, connect with him, but not much. He was very uh injured and out of the building at the time. So <laughs> not very present. Uh, however, one of the more, fortunate experiences i would say in his final two years he had this he had this private therapist that he would be working with for pre-games um just because i guess they didn't want the lakers sports medicine to take too much attention on him when they had the rest of the team so he had this private therapist and uh because you know in staples you have lakers locker room you had visiting locker room uh and then you have the la kings hockey locker room and that's where kobe would always go in with his private therapist and the visiting team locker room was always next to that and that's where i was actually uh during laker games would work i would be in charge of visiting team locker rooms um which was great experience for the five seasons I did that. Even though I was never actually around the Lakers bench for five seasons, I was always around the visiting team bench. But my perk to that was I got to meet all the strength coaches, all the physiotherapists, all of the you know uh, sports performance people I needed to meet. And meanwhile, m- picking brains and, and, and learning the things I needed to learn to, to, to be ready for this job if it ever came available. But anyway, so like I said, and, 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 and here we are, the this, this Kobe's private therapist is trying to work with Kobe in the, in the locker room, empty locker room next to mine. I was the one who was able to let him in on numerous times. And then he, we connected and he taught me a few things. Um, and, and so all these little sort of experiences sort of built me up to really wanting to be the sports performance specialist, um, meeting all these people, um, you know, uh, uh, learning, you know, learning tricks from the, you know, the, the ones who had the special, special skills, but, you know, sort of getting advanced info, um, from the most advanced people in the field is what sort of set me up to being really saying like, okay, I want to be a strength coach. Uh, however, also at the time I, I saw how important this, uh, injury and hands-on skills were needed. Um, and even though I did not have an educational background in that, I realized I needed some sort of hands-on skills because uh, that's what everybody sort of had. So I decided to sort of go into massage therapy just to get my basic hands-on licensing. Um, I did an additional course um, on uh, human body biomechanics, uh, posture, fascia, that sort of stuff. That was a very sort of advanced skill that I had that was big time in, in, in giving me, you know, a sort of this recognition of, 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 of being a, a massage therapist as sports, excuse me, sports massage therapist and strength coach combo, which is where I take great pride in being. Um, 
Um, and so while I built that up, um, then when Kobe retired, uh, a lot of staff members sort of shifted around, moved around, and uh, that's when the LA Defenders, which were soon to be renamed South Bay Lakers, uh, they decided to now, instead of just have one, uh, well, we have uh, we have in America athletic trainers. They're usually the first responders if a guy falls down or bleeds or whatever. Uh, we do have physios. They are they are the more long term rehab, but athletic trainers are more your uh, instant patch up get you going people so usually there's always every team has one of those and previously the la defenders just had that person to do strength equipment and everything and it was obviously not very well organized and very uh players were not well maintained but now it was a it was the they could foresee that the g league was going to be a bigger well invested league and so they they opened up a new strengths and equipment manager position that I was ready to sort of take <laughs> as they as it was as it was a, a new thing they implemented and I was already uh, had the equipment skills equipment managing skills they knew I was uh, knowledgeable in the field of strength and conditioning they knew I had licensed massage therapy so I could also offer that uh, and assist the uh, athletic trainer who works with injuries um, so it sort of became this very lucky sort of I was again right place right time for the uh, strength coach position in South Bay uh, which nowadays looking around it's such a, a, a valuable position the the G League is uh, there's no better place for development especially at the professional level than the G League I mean it is just you get you get every this trial and error at its absolute finest um, uh, you get wonderful uh you know the finest players <laughs> in america who are just hungry for for your for your for your work they they want it they because they want to get to the next level um the unfortunate aspect of the nba is that there are there are so many specialists there are so many professionals there's so many employees for different uh you know positions uh you know, lackeys to the lackeys, as you would say, and and that's when you you sometimes will have to your your skill set will get left out because you know you might have to conform to what somebody else wants you to do, um, or you might not get to work with as many people. Whereas at the G League, it will be just you, and that's your team, and they they will do whatever you want. Um, and that's just been amazing. Um, I can't put a price on how valuable that is. Uh, I would love to get into the NBA one day, but for now, the what I have, the value of what I have does not uh, exceed that limelight. Um, because at the NBA, you will not have that much control. You will never have that much control, actually, because there will just be too many people uh, who have control, as well as players who have their own play. Usually, there's play, a lot of a big thing in the NBA is the, the my guy, I'll bring my guy, and every player has their guy they wants to bring, and and um, that's fine. And maybe I will be somebody's guy one day, and I would love to do yeah. that. <laughs> but for now, just being, uh, you know, having this team. Uh, it's been absolutely wonderful. So going into year four and um, um, hopefully winning a championship with my team one day, that's absolutely what I would love to do. Because we have yet to win the LA Defenders slash South Bay Lakers. I've never won a G League championship despite being the first uh, minor league team to be actually owned by an NBA team and share the same building for that matter. Yeah, so I mean, in terms of your journey to your current role, it is you know, like you said, um, right place, right time, luck. But it also sounds like there's a lot of persistence and a lot of hard work that's gone on there. So it is one hell of a story. As you were going through that, it was quite inspiring, really. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of the listeners will find it inspiring as well. And, you know, it's a really impressive, a really impressive journey to where you would, to where you currently are. So with just with your role, then, are you do you travel with the team then what what's like your general game day duties yeah so now yeah i'm, I'm full time so it's um it's a great actually it's a good working schedule in a sense that our season which is shorter than the nba's we started in the beginning of november where nba is already starting mid-october um and we will we'll be done by end of march 
um, and the out playoffs are very quick. There's single game elimination, finals get best of three. So yeah, that's 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 a that's a way shorter season than the NBA. Um, it's very impacted, very full time. Uh, off days are almost non-existent, especially for me, because off days mean no practice. No practice means players will might need treatment or they might want lifts, uh, or sometimes there'll be uh, equipment, laundry stuff that I have to do. Uh, fortunate for me, you know, today is actually one of those days I did get an off day because <laughs> nobody needed anything and I didn't have to do any laundry or anything. Um, yeah. But, you know, you get, you're very, you're very, you're, you're just full, full demand, you know, you're very on because everybody's working numerous positions, will wear as many hats as they would say, because um, even our, like I said, we have this uh, the sports injury specialist, athletic trainer. They are in charge of all traveling, um, sort of details, coordinating with buses and whatnot and all that. I'm managing equipment on the travel uh, on the end and all that. So, you know, we all, we all wear many hats, but the good thing is when we're out of season, we have an easy, you know, we're, 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 we're out off work essentially. So, you know, you don't have anything going on for a few months of the year, uh, minus the NBA Summer League. We're all involved with that. Um, but anyway, we'll focus on the season for now, our season. So, um, on the game day, uh, if we're at home, so we'll always have the morning, uh, shoot around practice session, which is very short, about an hour, but you know, we open up the treatment sort of time block two hours before practice. So I'm always there. Um, you, you're, you're, you have to be present, but usually people don't need a whole lot, especially in the very first session uh, of the day. There's there's so many treatment sessions within a day that you'll 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 get players coming. But in that initial time, not usually the player, not many people are coming. They'll slowly trickle in. Uh, we'll get through the morning practice. After that, usually players will need some treatments, or sometimes they'll just 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 leave. Um, uh, I then set up for the game, just the uniforms and whatnot. Um, I, I, I will stay at the facility. I won't go home because it's just not worth it with LA traffic. So I'll just work out at the facility. And then usually as soon after that, we're ready to open up the treatment <laughs> block uh, time again. Um, however, I'm sooner or later spent in the, my, in the spent my, spending my time in the weight room waiting for our pre-game, pre-game pre shooting, pre-activation <laughs> groups to come. So obviously before the game, you have uh, groups that go out to sort of warm up. Uh, uh, this is all and, and, all done before before they before they they come out and do their whole layup lines right before they, everybody has their sort of shooting groups so uh, you know you have your your, your you know if you, if you go back from tip off mm -hmm. you have the layup group line before that everybody's in the locker room that's when coaches are doing their uh, sort of last talk before the game before that you actually have guys out on the court but they'll always be in groups and doing their sort of you know game game routine and before that they'll always be in with me for a quick 10 minutes in the weight room um and that's something um it's pretty big in the nba as far as you know getting with a strength and coach strength and conditioning coach before your you know on court time uh a lot of the nba guys actually like actually lifting weights um we don't have that luxury in the G League, and, and me being more of a biomechanical specialist, I usually have enough that I can work with and warm guys up with without needing to lift heavy weights. But um, you know, it's it's a pretty common thing, and and our coach, head coach Kobe Carl, the son of George Carl, you know, Hall of Famer, uh, to be or whatever. <laughs> uh, um, he he was very big on making this compulsory for the team. Uh, my first year, it was you know he it was his first year as a head coach too. Um, not much going on with the sort of pre-game warm-up until I had 
until we had one of the former San Antonio Spurs on our team who was very dedicated professional. He connected with me and that's when it's sort of like, oh, I, I like doing this pregame warm-up thing. And I and I had a he he liked my stuff and I realized I had a knack for it. Then I started my second year, I started having five or six guys coming to me for their sort of warm-up. And our head coach started to see, like, oh, okay, he's very, pretty good at this. And that's when he said, all right, we want everybody to go see him um, <clears throat> before they get to the court. So, you know, I'm doing that for the whole sort of pregame time. Um, and then, um, you know, once we have the last group, you know, we go, I head on into the locker room, get changed, whatever. And then it's game time. And that that's usually, it's, you know, easy for me. Um, I do always help give water still to the players and such. That was my job, you know, while I was a board in the NBA. But nowadays I still take pride in doing that because A, I get to monitor the hydration, you know, what they're drinking and whatnot. And uh, B, it just makes me feel more involved and I like that. Um, the G League, again, it's so, it's more of a family and, and, and you really, you really want these guys to get it, and and there's so much passion <laughs> behind it. So you know, you, I just I just want to be there for them, and 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 that's why I enjoy giving water still during the timeouts and whatnot. Um, sometimes, again, if I'm at home, I might be running around doing some laundry stuff in between, uh, just multitasking. Uh, and then at the end, but the good thing is at home now I have ball boys or at least a uh, uh, ball girl one uh for just a small group that will help me uh you know sort of it's funny how it's come all full circle but so that's a little easier at home you know because i have that help uh so if we're if but if we're just you know to, on the flip side on the road everything's different because now you have to travel to places so we usually from the hotel just go straight to the arena, have our morning shoot around, come back to the hotel room, do a treatment block, and then go in the afternoon, go back to the arena. And then that's when I do, when I do again, my uh, sort of uh, pregame warm up, warm up on the baseline, set up my bands and my bands and uh, pads on the floor. And, you know, they, they, they do, they do a little routine and head to the court. So, you know, game day is a pretty full day. Um, the good thing is at home we get fed and even on the road we get some sort of uh takeaway meal provided but they're not very good always <laughs> um but it's just a full full day from pretty much nine in the morning till about ten thirty at night yeah there'll be a time in between for a nap but these days i like to work out because usually that usually gets left behind if not <laughs> So, it's a full day regardless. Hey guys, I'm just going to let you know how you can save money with Fanatics UK and the NBA Star Europe. Lakers Fan Club UK are proud affiliate partners of both websites, where you can enter the promo code LakersUK10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. This is not restricted to Lakers gear only, promo code works site-wide for both. On the Fanatics UK site, they have a wide range of NBA, MLB, NFL, NHL, and soccer slash football merchandise. NBA Star Europe hosts a wide selection of official NBA gear. One thing that you have to do though to activate the discount is to access each website through the links provided on the Lakers Fan Club UK website. This is www lakersfanclubuk.com forward slash partners so that's www.lakersfanclubuk.com forward slash partners so if you enter the Fanatics UK and or the NBA Star Europe website through the links provided on the Lakers Fan Club UK website and enter the promotional code LakersUK10 at checkout you will get a 10% discount that's LakersUK10 all one word in capitals, and that will enable the discount. Promotional code can be used more than once, so do store it and it will save you money when you purchase through Fanatics UK and the official NBA store Europe. Yeah, no, definitely. I can imagine that they they are really long days and I've I've worked in sport as well, so I've worked game days for 
for events in um, you know different sports, specifically like rugby league and things like that. And um, you know they can be very long days, but they can be very rewarding as well, which you briefly alluded to there. Um, you know, in terms of your, your responsibilities, but in terms of the uh, South Bay roster and who is on South Bay, um, South Bay rosters this year, there's a lot of talented players like Talon Horton Tucker, who the Lakers drafted, Zach Norvell Jr., and Costa Saturn Tacumpo. But there's also players like Gary Payton II, Devontae Kaycott, David Stockton, etc., to name a few. It really is a stacked roster this season. and. It should be an exciting one, shouldn't it? There is plenty of talent across, you know, the roster, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and and, and that's the tricky part because uh, we do have a lot of vets, um, and and the vets, the vets are, you know, they're, they're, you, you know, they they know how to play the game really well. Like Gary Payton is obviously, you know, he's. He, he's just a master at offense and Stockton is I was so excited when we got him because I just knew how much of a facilitator he is um, and and so that that sometimes becomes you know the tough part because you have these vets and you know you want to play them plus they deserve to be played um, and they want to be played and then you also have the the younger Laker affiliates who both in want to want to be played and deserve to be played, and as well as that, management will want them to be played because they want to know how well they do. do. Um, and so that's always the challenging part of any head coach. Uh, but it's this is the better situation to be in, obviously, because you want talent on your team. Last year we didn't have much talent and we didn't win many games, um, and and so that's not fun. Um, when it comes to this, the only tough part is people understanding um, that you know it's it's a it's sometimes it's about you know when when a team does well, you we all do well, and as much as you individually want to do well, um, that can sometimes take away from the team goals, and sometimes you wanting to do well uh, is not going to work well in your favor anyway. Um, it's just staying patient, stay the course, and you know, even if we have lots of players, you know, guys go up, guys go down, you know, uh, guys go down, meaning with injuries, and there's always somebody who ends up playing who we thought would never play, um, and you know, and that that's and they end up being sort of the the star of the team, maybe. So you know, in the G League, you never know, and and I think it's a much better situation to be in to have multiple talent or vets on a team and have to decide who you're going to play. Yeah. You'll run into some attitude because obviously everybody wants to play. And, and it's, it's, that's, it's no matter what team you're on, you're always going to find people who aren't happy with their playing time. Always, always, always. That's, that's an inner uh, battle to be honest, that each player has to learn to deal with because you're never going to be satisfied. Uh, but again, the beauty of the G league is players go up, players go down and you will, always have your you will always have your opportunity so long as you're ready to shine in that moment uh that's that's the real key of the g league so i'm very excited for the year yeah definitely and um you know from you know what my point of view anyway you know there's there's a lot of players like horton tucker norvell jr atten tecumpo kcott that i have mentioned that probably would have been on Lakers rosters of years of past, you know, during the um, rebuild years and things like that. So, you know, when when they're down there looking to d- develop their game, is is how, how, how do they take it? Are they, are they locked into, do, do they understand that they need to be there at that moment in time to potentially be making the next step in the future? Do they Do they accept that? Do they kind of just take them all given to them because I see that Kaycock's been doing very well. He's been getting double doubles, I think, in every single game. Um, but I know that like Horton Tucker has been a little bit streaky as of late, as he's still probably getting used to the professional ranks and, and the G League. How, how, how do the players take it then when they come in? Because they must all have their eyes set on the NBA. How, how does that work? Attitudes are sometimes the hardest thing to deal with um, at this level because everybody is a star and wants to be a star, wants to make it a next level, and they have a short fuse on 
on their situation. If they feel like, oh, I might, I'm not getting to the NBA like this, then they're, they're not trusting the situation and they want to leave. And that's unfortunate. Um, I'm not saying that we have anybody like that. Actually, I'm very happy so far, you know, with that team. Everybody seems like a good locked in um um but it is apparent because and and it has been a problem in the past i'm not even gonna lie about that it's always it's, it's gonna be a problem in everybody's team uh because everybody again mm-hmm. wants to be up in the nba not in the g league um Except me, of course, because I love the opportunities that I'm provided with. Um, the other thing, though, again, I mean, we are we are very lucky and biased because we share a facility. And not only that, we share one of the newest NBA facilities and probably one of the best NBA facilities, giving us this incredible advantage um, where other G League teams are not so favorable. I mean, only a few have have really upgraded. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma City, they inherited the, the, the Thunder's previous facility. Uh, the Stockton Kings inherited Sleep Train Arena, Sacramento's old facility. Um, uh, I can't think of a few others that have it somewhat decent but i mean if you're if you're affiliated with miami you're gonna go to sioux falls south dakota <laughs> and that is one miserable place to be no offense um it's just not, not, not very very cold not much going on out there and that's a very tough we actually played them yesterday um funny enough and uh yeah that's a very tough two-way contract to have because as you know these two-way contracts you're guaranteed time between both teams um yeah that means you're going between south beach miami to middle of america middle of nowhere and snow uh that's tough that's very tough whereas for us you are walking across the hallway um our chef the Lakers chef will still cook you your your Lakers meals uh, privately. You yeah. still have everything. Um, so there, with us, there really is no need for any any pe- people to to not feel happy about the situation. We have the greatest situation, but you know whether people realize that is is really up to them. Um, now, so how people take it, and that's the other thing. Uh, you know. With the G League, yeah, you have these sort of NBA level players, and we have these vets who who've played NBA level or who've been two way before. And that's the other thing: that a lot of G League players are two way material. So sometimes that you know, you know, there's attitude with that, and I think you know, uh, you know, people sometimes feel they deserve two ways or not, or sometimes the two way feels they deserve they they should be on the NBA. Uh, on the NBA side rather than the G League side, yeah, it's this. It's always going to be there. It just really depends on you know the individual and and what we do as a culture as a team. And I think that's where Kobe Carr has done his very best to you know always allow the person to see the situation for what it is, put it into perspective. Uh, he does give them chances um, to present. You know, you give he gives you your chance to shine. Uh, uh, providing you feel like you deserve something and um, um, you know you, you make it work and and again we, we have one of the best situations in in, in 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 the whole league so you know there really shouldn't be it's more of a perspective but that's always going to be an issue with players and, and the reason I keep you know saying that again for any players listening is understand that your attitude can control so much of your play in the game um, learn to be more appreciative uh, because sometimes our lack of appreciation and even mine when I was a player can really hold us back sometimes. Yeah, and that actually leads on to um, a group of questions that I do have from the Lakers Fan Club UK members, well, a few of them anyway, that um, managed to draw from them when I did mention that we were going to be doing this podcast episode with yourself. Um, And one of them was uh, by Jonathan Kernan, who, who has featured on this podcast before. And he says, what, what advice would you give to a young NBA hopeful that is currently in the G League? What are the most important characteristics to succeed? I mean, you did briefly mention on attitude there being very important and you know accepting the role that, that, that you're currently in. Would there be any more characteristics that you would you know, recommend that, that players adopt that you know, are really hopeful of being in the NBA? I mean, you have been around the G League or the D-League for quite a few years now. So 
you know, you, you are relatively experienced, aren't you? Very experienced. So what, what, what would you say are the most important characteristics? We've got attitude and what, what, what else? Uh, embrace the journey. Um, and that was one of our philosoph team philosophies uh, last year or the year before, I'm not sure. Um, uh, and uh, it's just really important to embrace the journey and the situation you're in. Um, now, again, some are in better situations than others. And uh, oftentimes when comparing is the time we'll get most lost with appreciating what we have. Um, so it is, it is hard. It is, it is really hard. But that's why, you know, saying to yourself, embrace the journey, embrace the journey. Um, it's what you have to focus on. Um, the, the, or even if you want to, you know, replace the word journey with embrace, embrace the grind, because it is a grind. Uh, the G League is a grind. Uh, mm -hmm. It is tough because the travel is tough. We, we uh, I mean, NBA travel is, is tough in the sense that it's more of it. Um, but at least you're getting this private plane fully equipped with free food and, 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 you know, you're catered to all the time. So, I mean, you're living the luxurious life, but you're just doing it for, you know, the minimum, mm -hmm. you know, how many 42 cities, right? Um, so, so with us, it's less because we play a 53 game schedule, but you know, we're, we're still taking uh, commercial, commercial flights and not only that not everything is going to be direct because we're going to smaller cities so quite often more often than not we're taking connection flights um so that that you know that that that's a grind for everybody um uh very fatiguing and then and then on top of that you have to get on the shuttle bus uh take you to the hotel and then you know uh, some I'm not sure what every team does. We are very lucky as staff. We get our own rooms. Players unfortunately have to share, unless you're an NBA affiliate, you get your own room. Um, uh, but some some teams will make their staff even share hotel rooms. But anyway, I mean that's a grind too. Um, however, on the flip side, it's the camaraderie is is amazing. You know, you, the, going on the road, uh, you really start to connect with each other. Um, I prefer the road actually a lot more than I prefer home. I'm 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 way more um, I have way more responsibilities at home uh, between that and then obviously being married and having a house to take care of. Uh, there's there's always more going on at home, but on the road is when you really sort of connect with the team uh, a little bit more. Uh, you sort of see people let loose a little bit more. Um, you know, you have team meals. Um, those are always fun. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, we're all professionals, so it's just nice to have a few drinks here and there. <laughs> um, you know, and, and it's just, you know, the road can be grueling, but at the same time, you love it for what it is because this is what you do. This is basketball that it's, you know, purest because this is what we're doing it for. Um, and like I said, the, the players are hungry. Um, they're talented. Um, and even better, right now, um, the, regardless of what anything, uh, you know, the G League is gaining huge momentum in terms of uh, promotion, in terms of uh, them actually trying to make it a legitimate secondary league. So actually trying to follow sort of what football does or in Europe, what Europe they do with having, you know, second division, you know, club teams where, you know, you could, that's, that was this whole idea. They wanted to get rid of the, the, the rule where you have to go to college for a year, but now, okay, an NBA team can sign a guy and affiliate him with the G league team because they're so young and not prepared for the NBA. Uh, yeah. So, that that's actually was massive for the D League, and then Gatorade bought it and put a ton of money into it, renaming it the G League, um, and they've helped sort of boost sponsorship and whatnot. Um, and it's sort of catching on. Some teams still need to step it up with how much they fund their G League teams. Um, and as far as I know, uh, Denver still lacks a team, Portland still lacks a team, and I think New Orleans just acquired. 
uh, Erie <laughs> by Lake Erie up up but up, uh, up up by the lakes up there. But uh, um, and, uh, yeah, so soon sooner or later, every 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 NBA team is gonna have a G League team. Um, so again, the opportunity there is just uh, it's there, it's there, and and again, players go up, players go down. Um, you just have to stay persistent. Uh, the professionals that we're having working in the G League are also amazing. We're starting to have some really uh, talented, uh, young, hungry, you know, multi multi hat wearing professionals who are you're just you know wanting to give players their very best and pushing the boundaries. I think the D League was more so low budget. It was this. It was this bitter. I don't want to help because I hate my life here. Uh, you know, you want to stretch, stretch yourself sort of thing. Um, but now we are actually providing, we're looking, we're looking for ways to provide elite services to these players. We're looking to bring, make it a mini MBA. And I love it. Um, you know, you know, I've, what we did at South Bay was really set our own tone. But nowadays, I look around the league and I start to see, oh, okay, I kind of like what that strength coach is doing, or I kind of like what that equipment manager has done with his locker room. You know, you take up little ideas from people here and there because it's an improving league very quickly. And um, so, you know, regardless of the situation you're in as a player, just just stay the course, embrace the grind, embrace the journey, learn from everybody because everybody is 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 there to sort of offer something in terms of knowledge um and um like i said the opportunity is there you just have to be ready to shine yeah no definitely and um you know as it does show the importance of the g league for the development of these young players if they do stay tuned in and you know the rewards are there to be to be had aren't they because there's a lot of people behind the scenes like yourself that you know, are very highly skilled and are willing to put in the time to develop these players and, you know, well, not just develop them as players, but develop them, develop them as people as well. And, um, you know, it sounds like there is really good camaraderie there and, you know, there really is a good setup and which will continue to grow as the NBA start to invest more in the G League. And like you said, with Gatorade pumping more money into it, it should just get better and better and stronger and stronger um, so it is really exciting to see I know that a lot of people um, that, that I know that, that follow the Lakers have been paying attention to um, the G League and South Bay a lot more this season and that's myself including as well I find myself checking all the results after every game and looking into all the stats and things like that so one one question that I did have uh, personally was um, John and Caroline is currently injured at the moment and he did look good in summer league. How how's his recovery progressing? How how's he doing? He is very talented. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've actually been spending a lot of time with him. We've been lifting a lot, um, and um, because me in particular, because he he was actually doing his rehab physiotherapy offsite um, because he was sort of you know. He was good at yeah. He was good in summer league. The Lakers signed him to the training camp, but he was already injured uh, or had his foot surgery. So they, you know, cut him with the intention of him playing with us. So there was because he was sort of in between two teams. They they just met, they just had his rehab done, you know, at an offsite hospital. But I personally have been working with him in the weight room, and he's looking really good. Not right now. I'm, I'm actually excited because he's a very uh, raw, talented sort of body. And um, when, he, when we first started, you know, you could just tell like all of his muscles are just trying to fire. Now, what that means in my world is not very good. I'm trying to get you to often, more often than not, slow down understand positions understand weight distributions and all that and for somebody that wants to just go 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 which he's great at doing as a player even um in the weight room sometimes that becomes a bit of a messy show so nowadays he's actually really now learning to sort of 
understand my cues and his balance is getting a lot better. Uh, we were non-weight bearing uh, for six weeks, so we had to do everything um, seated, half kneeling position. So only now are we actually sort of hitting the legs and doing plyo, box jumps and different things to test his uh, ankle strength. But now he's looking really good. Um, our, our head coach is excited about him because of his uh, – the way he plays is his his sort of hustle or grit um hit the dog the dog in him as they would say so um the fact that he has that to offer and he has that potential and that now he's sort of really getting stronger uh, because he also didn't have much uh strength coach um strength coaching in the past you know he was very much just uh we just sort of did our own thing or our basketball coach was out you know did it made us do whatever so for him to now sort of truly be getting stronger or understanding his strength better or understanding how to control his strength better um i'm excited for that progress and um uh, he's not quite there yet, you know. He's still, he's still, um, he's still sort of doing, uh, let's say, the change of direction phase, non-contact sort of uh, on the court stuff. So you know, he's he's able to work drills and such, but not ready for uh, any de uh, de defense just yet. Um, but we are excited to have him back um, within within hopefully early December sometime. Um, um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, personally, personally very excited as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I did a, a piece on him not long ago where I looked into his game and, you know, he does look like a very versatile scorer that can be, you know, lights out on his day. And, you know, in I've just got his stats up here. In the Summer League, he averaged 16 points, 3.5 rebounds, 1.3 assists on 50% shooting. So he really is a talent, but... Another one that I would like to get your opinion on, really the last question, so we can, uh, so we're not keeping you for too much longer. And um, it's about Talon Hart and Tucker because, you know, I've, I've, I believe it's his birthday today. He, he got drafted by the Lakers at 18 years old. Hart and Tucker did, and he's 19 today, and he's a very unique player, isn't he? So he's six foot four, so he isn't exactly that tall in terms of um, basketball, you know height but he possesses a very large frame he weighs about 238 pounds i've read and then he has a huge wingspan of seven foot one how's he looked early on in the season and what, what do you think of him as a prospect um because so he also had this sort of uh, i i don't know what it was the official thing but some something on his foot that sort of came up that scared uh doctors and so they had a very sort of slow progression of you know keeping him not again sort of non-weight bearing for a long time to only sort of spot shooting for a while to again you know very slowly progressing him so he he missed lakers training camp and then pretty much his first integration into uh full court five and five basketball was with our training camp when it started dead end of October. Um, and then so previously, since he entered the building as a draft prospect, I had not seen him run up and down the court. And that was in May. <laughs> so he'd obviously been very much kept out of, um, you know, out of, you know, full contact or whatnot, precautionary. And, you know, they've, you know, they've done their good jobs with that. Um, but regardless, uh, He's actually done a lot better than I expected because I, I, I thought he would struggle even with the G League, um, you know, just with the with the how talented the G League is. Um, and he's actually shown that he can definitely – he's also got that bulldog in him. He knows how to go downhill. Um, but playing experience, exactly. I mean, he's 19 years old, and that's where – the G League, you have to learn to be an adult in your playing because if you don't, if you don't play smart, teams would just kill you, uh, and that's just that's just that's just easy for them. You, you know, you, at the G League, that's where it's next level. Uh, you can't just rely on your offensive skills. You really have to play smart, or else you, just the other team is just going to be able to figure you out. Um, so that's where some of these younger guys on our team is are uh, they're in that struggle phase, which and you see it every year. Um, sometimes you see it with you know 
the Division One player that thought he would be able to get into the NBA and then thought he would just kill at the at the G League level. They often get very shocked a few games in when they see how 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 hard it is um, at this level. Uh, but I still think Taylor's doing great. And like I said, he knows how to go downhill. He knows how to be a bulldog. Uh, it's just once he learns to make better decisions, when, once those options aren't there, that's when we're going to be even more dangerous. Uh, because both him and Gary Payton, I mean, they can get to the rim anytime. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, Horton Tucker definitely does look an interesting prospect. So it'll be very interesting to see his development throughout the season and um, see if he potentially does go to the Lakers as well, um, depending on what happens as, as the season progresses, because it is a long season. Um, but in the meantime, we've all got our eyes um, wedged on the South Bay Lakers and, you know, the attention of the team has improved, you know, dramatically this season. And, you know, like I said, when I get out there in February, I'll be looking to get to a game. So, you know, it all, all attention is shining on South Bay at the moment and the um, exciting team that, that is there. Um, that's all the questions that I have for you for, for this week's episode. Do you do you want to add anything else? Yeah, I just just wanted to add, like on that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's great to even see ourselves because you know, back in the day, no one really cared about the LA defenders or anything like that. And again, we're trying to make the G League a big thing and all, all that. There's this promotion behind it. And and so nowadays, uh, as far as locally here in L.A., you know, there, there isn't a Laker game that gets broadcast without a mention of the South Bay Lakers by the uh, commentators. Those are the local ones. Um, but then even the national ones on the, the national televised schedule on ESPN and TNT here, they, 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 those commentators often mention oh such and such from the g league such and such from this team that team um and so that's been huge you know because what they say 47 percent of the nba now has at one point played in the g league uh that's great um uh because again it just shows you the potential uh it's not just uh you know a development league where the players don't really have a chance in the nba now some of these guys just need a bit of this sort of stepping stone um and then next thing you know you know they they're, they're ready to play and sometimes it is just nice to even just see somebody just get that one time shot um you know, for us, we had Andre Ingram, uh, and maybe it's not a one-time shot. He might get it again, but for him to get called up two years in a row, two years in a row for a ten-day contract, it was just wonderful to see for a guy that's been in the G League for over ten years now. Um, and then I would say to my first point, we have Alex Caruso. Um, oh my goodness! I mean, he was just the best two-way player. In terms of attitude, uh, week there was. I mean, you, his attitude never changed from being moved up, moved down, and he was moved up and down a lot. And he was just the same level-headed guy. Um, uh, and he just uh, became his fan favorite. Obviously, you know, being dunking on people and whatnot. And now I think somebody painted a mural for him in the streets of LA of him dunking on numerous Embrace stars. And it's just incredible yeah. for someone like that uh, to sort of rise up. And uh, in midsummer, he wasn't. He was contractless. You know, he was actually one of the later players to get signed to the LA team. Uh, so he was actually, you know, there was nothing happening. For him for a while and and you know his two-way contract had expired but he wasn't gonna re-sign with the g league anyway he was sort of beyond that and 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 even then early into on in lakers training camp you know this is something our our, our coach kobe carl said and, and i'm i don't mind sharing this is that early in training camp the lakers coaches weren't were necessarily thinking too much of caruso and Kobe was just like, I'll oh, just just give it time. You'll 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 end up loving him because he ends up, he does all, does all the things you want on the court. He he he's a guy. He's a, he's what a coach needs in terms of being the right place, right time, right the right decisions. Yeah, I mean that's you know not perfect, but uh, uh, surely but slowly he's made it into you know consistent playing time already uh, this year. Um, and as a coming from a South Bay player, I mean, I think it's great. It's great. I'm very excited for the uh, continued growth of of the uh, G League. Definitely. And, um, you know, we really do appreciate you coming on the podcast to show your 
well to to uh, share your um viewpoints and your experiences and things like that it really does provide a really great insight to myself uh, who i have briefly spoken to you before at the practice facility but also to the listeners as well it provides a really great insight so i really do appreciate you coming on it's been a pleasure speaking to you and hopefully we could even get you on in the future as well yeah definitely definitely we'll talk next time if i'm ever when i'm ever around that side but and it looks like first off you'll be over here so just let me know when you come and uh we'll get you to that game yeah yeah definitely i appreciate that i mean whilst i've got you here do you want to give yourself a shout out tell people where they can find you do you want to plug any social medias or or websites that you've got or anything like that yeah, I mean, um, I've actually been on a bit of a social media break just because of the initial start of season is just so crazy. But if if anybody does want to reach out to me, the Instagram is my favorite means of communicating to anybody about, you know, basketball or movement related things. Uh, you can find me at Big Mish, M-I-S-H underscore MVMNT, so not movement, but abbreviated MVMNT. So big mish underscore movement. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, I haven't actually posted in a while, but I do like posting um, my sort of uh, fascinations and such with uh, what exercise and whatnot. And people tend to give me a lot of good feedback. So I'm due to get back on the game and start posting again. Uh, I just been on a bit of a break, but Instagram is probably the way to contact me. Uh, I would love to get in contact with anybody that has questions um, or, or, or wants to, you know, you know, you know, ask me whatever it's like to work in the NBA from, from, from the UK trying to get over here. I know it's tough, but, you know, hit me up. We'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, no, definitely. And to the listeners, do do give Misha a follow and do, do you know, check him out because he is a, he is a great guy and he's been, he's been great to myself and, you know, Lakers Fan Club UK been giving us time and, you know, we really appreciate him coming on. Absolutely, it's a pleasure, Matt. I really, I really appreciate you having me. It was a, it was great to have you stop by that day. I feel it was a, it was a blessing. It was meant to be. Um, so I'm glad we got to, we got to do this. And I thank you for your time. Definitely. And as always, to the listeners, thanks for listening. We we're on all of the main podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, etc. Be sure to subscribe on your preferred platform and give us a follow over on Twitter at Lakers Fan Club UK. Also check out our website, which is www.lakersfanclubuk.com. And uh, thanks for listening. Until next time.